is Bloomberg Surveillance. There's not much that really unites the BRICS apart from their size. They're, they're huge, not just in terms of their GDP, but in terms of their population. We're still underweight. We're not convinced that the risk-reward trade-off is all that attractive in EM. After the Fed has run below its 2% target for very, very many years, it shouldn't worry about overshooting a little bit even. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance, Mr. McKeon, Barry Ritholtz, yeoman's duty this week, five days in a row, five, I say. We got Ritholtz up at an ungodly hour. He usually, you know, he's like... I'm up this hour anyway. 8.30 coffee, you know, check the Blackberry. <laughs> you see my reads at 7 a.m. I'm up this hour. It's, uh, I don't know where the week went. The hours fly by so quickly. It's well, amazing. that's what we try to do. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got to do with Yu Yen and our great team and... All of them. Let's look at foreign exchange on the move. Karen Moscow talking Euro sterling. The Forex Brief brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best retail Forex trading platform. Visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. I could go on for Forex for an hour nonstop. That's how interesting it is. And all you need to know is as a general statement, weak dollars, stronger other currencies. Yen, 111.98. That's a 111 print, stronger yen over the last three days. A euro solid, 114, 114.06. And as Karen mentioned, something we don't talk that much about in New York, but Francine Lacroix lives in London. Euro sterling, stronger euro, weaker sterling. And it's a big round number. It's like a Dow 10,000 number, 0.80. Was printed moments ago against stronger euro. Massive shout out to Stephen Saywell of BNP Paribas and the Deutsche Bank people for their outlier vision on a stronger uh, euro. So that's enough on foreign exchange uh, right now. Um, the punch bowl is full to the brim, not to the record brim yet, but we're right up there. Here to provide oxygen and some Alka Seltzer, David Wilson. Is, did anything go down this week? Well, sure. I mean, plenty of things went down this week. In fact, the auto stocks are going down today. Really? Tell me why. Well, U.S. automakers set to release their March sales figures. Wards Automotive looking for uh, an annual rate of 17.5 million units, pretty much in line with what we had in February. General Motors, Ford Motor, Fiat Chrysler all down. Uh, Chrysler notable with a 2.5% decline Mm. in early trading. Tesla Motors, though, the most active stock in U.S. trading. They're up about 7%. Were you in line? I was not. How about you? No. No? No, I'm not going near it. I got to tell you, though, there were 134,000 reservations yesterday for Tesla's new Model 3. Would-be buyers of the electric car put down $1,000 deposits. Uh, The Model 3 costs about $35,000. That's less than half the price of Tesla's biggest seller, the Model S. Free financing. Free financing. Think about how much money they just gave Tesla. Very nice. What you learn this week about buying? I mean, the Starwood, the whole Starwood Ballet. I mean, you've been doing this for decades, David. Have you ever seen it? Not so quickly in terms of a company moving in to make a bid and then moving out yeah. sort of on a dime. That's really how things turned out. And Starwood Hotels and Resorts shares are down about 4.5% after that group led by China's Anbang Insurance withdrew a $14 billion takeover offer for the hotel chain. Now, Anbang's move cleared the way for Starwood to be bought by Marriott International for $13.2 billion in cash and stock. 
And Marriott shares are down 5.5%, so uh, be careful what you wish for. You might get it, I guess, is the story there. Regeneron Pharmaceuticals up 3.5%. The drug maker said its proposed treatment for a severe form of eczema met the goal of two final stage trials. Regeneron's developing the drug with Francis Sanofi. Uh, you've got airline stocks down. Uh, American, Delta, United Continental, and Hawaiian Holdings all off 2% to 2.5%. The four carriers were reduced to hold from buy at Deutsche Bank. Marvell Technology down 4%. Mm-hmm. The chipmaker delayed filing its fiscal 2016 report with U.S. regulators because of accounting issues. Marvell did say it expects the results to show a net loss and significantly lower revenue for the year. David Wilson, thank you for the rate, particularly there in Starwood. Uh, somehow I think there will be some wrap-ups on all of that. Uh, it is a most interesting American economy. He has done important research on our nation's mobility. John Sylvia holds a fort at Fortress Stumpf, Wells Fargo, with a whole different global and American outlook. And we're thrilled to go from Jim Glassman to Bill Gross to John Sylvia. John, good morning. Within the better American economy, 5% unemployment, do you see with job levers better? Are we moving around again like we used to? Oh, no, not at all. We are moving around. There is some improvement in labor market mobility. Uh, but when we look at some of the longer-term indicators, for example, employed part-time for economic reasons, that remains fairly uh, high. And the labor force participation rate continues to improve. Um, and we are getting some of the marginal workers coming back in, so that's good to see. But no, we're not at all the 1980s and 1990s labor market. So let's talk a little bit about wages, John. We've seen them tick up 0.3 in this report, but by any historical measure, they've been lagging what we like to see, more robust wage growth. Are we on the verge, as our mutual fishing buddy David Rosenberg has suggested, uh, a big improvement in wages and salaries? Oh, I think we are seeing an improvement in wages and salaries, but I look back at the gain in wages at this stage of the cycle and the prior three economic recoveries. And in each case, we're talking about 4% kind of gains, and now we're talking about two and a quarter, 2.3% gains. So I think you're quite right, Barry. Improvement, yes, but certainly not to the pace of what we've seen in the prior recoveries. I think globalization has made a huge difference. I think the change in the type of workers uh, has made a big we, – we just don't have manufacturing workers or back office clerical workers like we had right. 10, 20, 30 years ago. Okay, Dr. Sylvia, you're going to answer the question that I, I, I rose to the defense of corporate America. I was at the wonderful David Sauer Quinnipiac uh, game forum yesterday, which is 1,400 really, really wicked smart college uh, kids from all around the world in the U.S., Canada, and such. And, and John Sylvia, when people tell me there's no investment by corporations, I go nuts. I mean, the answer is there's a lot of CapEx going on. I see it on the Bloomberg. Where are we in CapEx investment? Is it great? Is it good? Is it so-so? Or does a gloomster say, is it terrible? Well, you know, I'll go back to something you and Barry touched upon earlier this morning. Uh, you've got to think about the fact that with interest rates as low as this is, the cost of capital to finance investment is actually quite low. 
And so what you've seen in an odd sort of way is a capital labor market substitution where capital financed at very low interest rates is substituting for labor. And I think that's a sort of an unintended consequence of the continued low interest rates we've seen. And then Dominique Constant at Deutsche Bank uh, with just fabulous uh, thinking along this line is, well, then, John, if that's the case, as you say, yes, globalization, sir. which I'm thunderstruck hasn't come up in the presidential campaign, do we need a regime of fair trade, as Secretary Clinton talked about years ago? Well, I think clearly for the American populace, uh, the free trade is really not viewed as fair trade. And uh, when you're competing, again, with uh, enterprises of other countries where the enterprise is truly not a private enterprise but, in fact, is a, uh, a government sponsored, supported, whatever you want to call it, enterprise, um, yeah, there are significant issues, and, and I think that what maybe Barry will, will comment on, because I've heard him say this before, <laughs> is that you know we, we have to stop with the ideological free trade stuff and start dealing with the realities of the trade in the 21st century. Uh, let's come back with John Sylvia of Wells Fargo. Mr. Ritholtz with a comment. Dr. Sylvia demands a Ritholtzian comment. You know, it's important to recognize that globalization is here. It's not going away. You can erect trade barriers. NAFTA has helped create jobs even for U.S. auto workers. TPP is probably going to be a huge boon for the United States. What we need is retraining for the workers. Right. There are not going to be any more socks and underwear mills in North Carolina. Right. Those jobs are gone and gone forever. We need to retrain those workers so they right. could be part of the 21st century. Barry Ritholtz with us with wisdom. Missy Mike McKee, and it's great. Maybe we can get McKee, you, and me Love to. to do a special 12-hour surveillance. Or you could keep them on vacation another week. I'll no, no. Get, week. You get everybody together and do this with John Sylvia of Wells Fargo. Economic Policy Institute. I mentioned them earlier. They just put out a spectacular chart, which I put back out on Twitter, which is the unemployment rate. We all know 4.9% up to 5%. And then they calculate missing workers looking for work. And that takes 5.0% up to 6.3%, which is nowhere near where you want it to be. So EPI putting out that important chart, uh, signaling to some uh, differences across all of America. We're thrilled to bring you John Sylvia. We'll do oil later with oil moving down 36.93. West Texas down a solid $1.40. A barrel. And now to the news in New York. Here's Michael Barr. Tom Barry, thank you very much. The latest survey by Marquette University Dahl School shows Republican presidential candidate Ted Cruz topping frontrunner Donald Trump by 10 points in Wisconsin. A big loss for Trump in the state's primary next week would greatly reduce his chances of securing the delegates he needs to clinch the Republican nomination. Meanwhile, Democrat Hillary Clinton is focusing on New York today ahead of the state's April 19th primary. She's releasing a plan to revitalize manufacturing in Syracuse. Clinton was in New York as a senator, but rival Bernie Sanders grew up in Brooklyn. Investigators are puzzled over a motive for the shooting death of a Virginia state trooper on a training mission 
at the Richmond bus station. The shooting began after a brief encounter between the trooper and the gunman. The gunman was shot dead by other officers. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Tom Barry. Michael, thank you so much. Thrilled you're with us on this Jobs Day on economics, finance, investment, on international relations as well. Again, we'll look at oil uh, here at our next half hour. John Sylvia with us from Wells Fargo. And surveillance being brought to you by Sector Spider ETS. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts at low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. And U.S. stock index futures are falling, tracking declines in crude oil amid data showing job gains and higher wages that supported the case for raising interest rates. West Texas Intermediate Oil erased its 2016 gains as Saudi's Arabia says a freeze depends on Iran, and we'll have more on that story in just a moment. Futures this morning again are moving lower. S&P E-mini futures are down 13 and a half points. Dow E-mini futures down 107. Nasdaq E-mini futures down 30. The 10-year Treasury is up 132nd. The yield 1.76 percent. Nymex crude oil down 3.8 percent, or a dollar 47 to 36.86 a barrel. And Comex gold down 1.4 percent, or 17 dollars 10 cents to 12.18.70 an ounce. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Barry. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Again, a deterioration in futures. Those great data checks from Karen Moscow. Oil front and center. We'll do that in a bit. From $40 down to 36.81 on West Texas Intermediate. I'll be honest. I haven't done the technical work with how busy we've been, but the idea here is goal of oil rather really getting the support. And that's with dollar dynamics as well. There's, there's, there's issues at Bloomberg surveillance that you don't see. The sausage making is brutal. My people talked to Barry Ritholtz's people. Ritholtz had a tantrum that we had to talk to John Sylvia about the Economic Policy Institute study. So we're ripping up the script here because Ritholtz's people had a Friday attitude. John Sylvia, does retraining work? If we've got permanent unemployed, are you kidding me? Retraining and spending that government money, does it actually work? Well, I think the evidence suggests that for some people it does work. I mean, the reality is it's the old question of leading a horse to water. Uh, for those people that have some incentive uh, and desire, uh, you have to give them the opportunity and to do the retraining. And, and if some people drop off, they drop off. But you're not going to save everybody. You're not going to save everybody's career. And I couldn't agree with Barry Moore. This has been a, I seem like we're going around in circles sometimes. We've, we've had this discussion up in Maine for like five to six years now. Um, yes, I would support retraining, the government spending on retraining programs that are really aimed to getting people jobs, knowing that a significant percentage of them will drop out, never complete. I got that. But, you know, you can't save everybody. By the way, Maine is the fishing trip uh, Rosenberg and Kotak and McCulley and myself go on that, that you're not invited to, Tom. Maybe we'll get you up there one day and put a, a rod in your hand and see what you can do. John, let's talk a little bit about the chart that Tom referenced earlier, 
which is this unemployment rate that seems to be understating weakness in the in the job rate you know those missing workers who are looking looking for employment and not finding it and are not counted as part of the unemployment rate if we work them back into the full u6 numbers uh, that's an unemployment rate that was 12% after the crisis but has been cut in half to 6.3% all things considered this was terrible. It's considerably better, and it's still trending in the right direction. Are these people finding jobs? Is that is this really as bad as some people paint it? Well, no, well, there is some evidence, Barry, that when you look at labor force participation rates by age cohort mm-hmm. over the last six months, you have seen improvement in the less than college educated workers. So yes, this get a little bit like what we saw in the 1990s where you are bringing in marginally attached workers into the labor force. And so, yes, I, I would, uh, again, say, yeah, you, that there is an improvement there. I mean, and that's two-thirds. Again, you know, these are the people we need to bring in. I mean, and, you can't, you can't, go ahead. We, we learned from Jim Glassman of J.P. Morgan earlier that two-thirds of the labor force in America do not have a college degree, and, and many of these folks still have fairly well-paying jobs in specific uh, sectors and specific industries. So is that a, a demographic metric that's going to change? Are we going to see the labor force become more educated? Uh, or, or is this something that's just the nature of the U.S. Uh, population? Well, I would say that over the last 20 or 30 years, more and more of the population has become college-educated. I think more and more of the population can become educated, uh, again, uh, through, you know, sometimes uh, post-high school or completion of high school is really key to start with. Post-high school, going to community colleges, junior colleges, call you with the will, um, and developing particular skills um, that mm-hmm. can evolve. I, I don't think I, I got to believe that every one of us, when we go home at night on the weekend, this weekend, we will see an ad on TV for some plumbing company, some glass company, something local, and it's oftentimes run by somebody who doesn't have a college degree but has twenty or thirty years of hot experience. And I got to right. believe. Barry, we, you know, you can't throw these people away. You've got to get them involved. Well, and, okay, fine, if not all of them finish some education, fine, but some will. Okay, speaking of throwing away, John Sylvia, something else went up this week besides economics. David Ortiz's batting average went from a 171 to a 175. For Bloomberg 1200 Boston, you are surveillance Red Sox expert. We spoke to Sam Kennedy about the third base debacle, uh, and this is going to go with Mr. Shaw. David Ortiz, does he got another season left, Mr. Sylvia? Uh, yes, I think he does have another season left of good enough baseball. Uh, to help the Red Sox. Absolutely. We'll leave it at that. John, Sylvia, you heard it there. Ortiz's DH will have a wonderful victory lap and will ascend from his 175 spring training average. We thank John Sylvia Wells Fargo for his perspective and, very importantly, his perspective on the mobility of uh, American labor and how they move around. And, Barry, I thought that economic Policy Institute angle was great. There's still a lot of Americans out there struggling. 
Uh, there's no doubt about it. That's why this has been the yeah. wacky political season. They found voice on the left and yeah. the right with Bernie and Donald. One of our important voices on jobs day, Scott Mather, will join us from PIMCO, uh, really with a with a wonderful holistic view to get you to Friday and into your weekend reading. Are you going to publish Barry within your crush? You know your your twelve hour workday with us. Are you got something coming out this weekend? Uh, I have something coming up on the missing productivity numbers Good. and. A good long-term, long-form yeah. weekend reads tomorrow. You think you think Ritholtz works three hours a day, but to be honest, folks, he's like putting it in. I'm like John Tucker. <laughs> Ritholtz is just like this is a vacation know, for me. Getting it done. Scott Mather, Pimco, next. Then oil. Counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Try one at your local Jeep dealer today.